It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. This is episode four in my series entitled The Muscular Christian. There has to be at least someone else out there that gets excited about that title, The Muscular Christian. I mean, that is one of the coolest sounding things ever. I want to be that. So now the, the, the actual title for this episode, not the series, is a little odd, I have to admit. It does have a deep meaning for those of you that are CT stud fans, but it is no more chocolate soldiers. I did a uh, sort of a uh, an updated edition of his book, Chocolate Soldiers, and I named it No More Chocolate Soldiers. So it has even deeper meaning uh, to me. But uh, that's what we want to get rid of. I, I don't want any chocolate soldier in me, and I don't want any chocolate soldier in you. What is a chocolate soldier? Well, chocolate soldiers, well, what do we know about them? They melt when the heat turns up. You have a challenge, you have a trial, you have a little difficulty, a little heat in your life, and suddenly you melt. I don't know if there's any of you out there that like melting when the heat turns up. None of us actually wants to be the chocolate soldier, even though I have to admit I love chocolate. I don't want to be a chocolate soldier. I don't want to be melty in the difficulties. And yet, boy, are we prone to being exactly that. Our humanity has a tendency to shrink back when difficulty arises. We're talking about being the muscular Christian. We're talking about something very different. If you've missed the first three episodes of this series, I would highly encourage you to go back and just sort of get that foundation of recognizing where I'm going with this. I'm talking about an, a, a deeper, stronger foundation to the way we think, to the way we live, to the way we approach everything around us. So no more chocolate soldiers. So listen to C.T. Studd. Uh, I love this. Which of us is not stirred to scorn and amusement at the very idea of a soldier made of chocolate? In a time of peace and ease, true soldiers are like captive lions, pacing back and forth and fretting in their cages. These genuine soldiers are built for fight, and it is war that gives these soldiers their liberty and sends them like boys bounding out of school to obtain their heart's desire or die in the attempt. Chocolate soldiers are an altogether different sort. They fear the fray and avoid it at all costs. They are artisans of excuses, conning themselves into feeling noble for their efforts to spare themselves any discomforts of manliness. You see, none of us actually esteem chocolate soldiers, but we can very quickly behave like chocolate soldiers, and we have a tendency to fear the battle and to avoid it at all costs. And we are artisans of excuses. We have plenty of them up our sleeve just in case a difficulty comes of why we should be excused from it. Because we want to spare ourselves all potential discomforts. We have grown up in a culture that has invented pain relief. In other words, whatever we can do to quash pain and I remember hearing a doctor that worked in uh, India with leprosy patients, and he said, pain is actually a gift. And if you don't have it, you know, things go south in your life. And he was talking about leprosy and how it's a, it's a compromise of the uh, 
that that side of you that can feel that's the the sensation side of you and so you your nervous system has been damaged in such a way where a little rat can come up and nibble off your finger and you don't feel it you could put your hand on a hot iron and it could burn your hand and you don't feel it you see pain is actually a gift but it needs to be leveraged in the most positive sense and so for those of us that are unwilling to experience pain, like when I go to the gym and I work out, I experience pain. When I run and have a good run, I experience a certain degree of pain. However, it's a healthy pain. It's a pain that is producing something greater. And that's what God is talking about when he's talking about enduring weights and trials. He's talking about these pains that come that have the potential to be very positive for our spiritual growth. And so as a result, a genuine soldier embraces them and gets excited about them. But a chocolate soldier melts when they come along. What is the difference between the following? So I'm going to give a short list. Goats and sheep. Tares and wheat. Sloths and ants. The five virgins without oil and the five virgins with oil. So there's these twos that the scriptures are going to sort of create a contrast between. Goats and sheep. Well, what do we know about the goats? When Jesus had need, they did nothing. The sheep, on the other hand, did something. And so what we see is the sheep are going to act in a time when difficulty arises or a challenge arises, a situation which could cause us to self-reflect and go, eh, but what's in it for me? The sheep are going to do something. How about tares and wheat? What's the difference? Because they look very similar. Just like goats and sheep. I mean, one says, meh, and the other one says, bah. I mean, that's pretty close. If you're not listening, you know, really closely and attuned, you might think they're the same, and yet they're very different in action. Terran wheat, a wheat produces fruit. It actually produces something, whereas a tear is a mimic. It is a counterfeit version of the real thing. Sloths and ants. Well, one sits around and sleeps all day, and the other one gets something done. There is an action associated with the ant. And how about the five virgins without oil and the five virgins with oil? The five virgins without oil are like, hey, I'll deal with it someday. You know, hey, I'll get oil in my lamp sometime. The virgins with the oil are the ones that take it seriously and the ones that have action matching their faith. And so for us, if we're going to be muscular Christians, we cannot be chocolate soldiers. We can't be men and women of excuses. Because it is so easy to be that in our culture. If you live in America, you live in the land of excuses. Self-reflection, self-comfort, self-coddling, what's in it for me? Christianity is all about what's in it for Jesus. And you let Jesus take care of you. That is a risky thing. Do you trust him? I mean, he's supposedly the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. He's supposedly inherited you know, all things. All things are underneath his feet. But is he going to care for you? Is he going to be a good shepherd? The scriptures reveal him as the ultimate father who gives good gifts unto his children. He's the ultimate shepherd. He's the ultimate bridegroom who cares for his bride. But you have to relinquish that care and that protection for your own way, your own rights, your own life, your own comforts, and make him your priority. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and then all these other things are going to be added unto you. However, the secret to Christianity is you have to risk it. You have to be a true soldier. You have to follow the command of your military general and say, yes, sir. And when you do, he will care for you. Historic grit. I like this list. So 
listen closely to this, and, and you'll recognize this is what Christianity has always been. First century Christianity. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was tied mercilessly to two beams of wood and left to hang to death for three days. Paul was beheaded. Stephen was stoned. Philip was crucified. Matthew was slain with the sword. James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned and clubbed. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. Mark was dragged to pieces. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew was cruelly beaten and then crucified. Thomas was thrust through with a spear. Luke was hung. And John was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil and removed unscathed and then exiled to Patmos. So you look at the 12, and then you, you know, whether, uh, how you want to count Paul into that. But what you have is an incredible foundation of the church right there. And you see that those that gave their life to Jesus experienced difficulty. They experienced pains and challenge. And yet, I want to be like them. Or do I? No, I do. But these weren't chocolate soldiers. They didn't melt when the difficulty came. Not one of them recanted their faith in Jesus. Not one of them turned their story around. They saw him resurrected, and not one of them denied it. Extraordinary, and it's historic grit. That's what I'm calling it, grit. You see, a chocolate soldier is lacking something. He's lacking that firmness, that grit. So I call this the angelic clipboard, and I've given this illustration to my students quite a few times, and I, it's sort of a pop quiz type of a thing, but my subtitle under this is, Are We Ready Right Now to Live Out the True Christian Life? So I, I've said it to the students, imagine that an angel comes in, and we're like, whoa, there's an angel, and he walks up onto the stage at Ellerslie, and he has a clipboard. He says, guys, I'm going to and fro throughout the earth looking for a group that is willing to help me accomplish something for the kingdom of heaven. We're about ready to bring in the great harvest, but I have some positions that need to be filled. There is rumor in heaven that here at Ellerslie, there are some people that take their Christianity seriously. So I'm going to read the job descriptions that I need filled. I'm going to set this uh, clipboard on the back table, and I'm going to come and pick it up in 10 minutes. And so if you're ready, sign up. If you're not, I'll find who's ready elsewhere. I don't want God to need to go elsewhere to find a ready soldier. So here's the needs list. We need one to be crucified upside down. We need, be, we need one to be tied mercilessly to two beams of wood and left to hang to death for three days. There's a checkbox next to each one of these, by the way. One needs to be beheaded. One stoned. Oh, yeah, we need another one crucified. One slain with a sword. We need one stoned and clubbed. We need one stoned and beheaded. We need one st another one stoned and beheaded. We need one dragged to pieces. We need yet another crucified. We need one cruelly beaten and then crucified. We need one thrust through with a spear. Uh, we need one hung. And we need one to be thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. So imagine right now if that message came to you. Because you're saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm available to you. And then he says, I have a needs list. Are you ready to actually live out your Christianity and sort of put your money where your mouth is? I have to ask myself the same thing, guys. It's not that I'm sitting here going, oh, I can't wait to be stoned and beheaded. You see, this tests us at the depths of our being of what we do our Christianity for, why we're doing it. What are we about? Have we been transformed by Jesus to make him our focus? 
Have we been transformed by Jesus to make him our priority? Do we actually believe that he is worthy? I still remember those two Moravian missionaries headed off to that island to share the gospel with those slaves. And one of them cries back to the shoreline, knowing they would never see their family again, raises his fist in the air and says, is not the lamb that was slain worthy to receive the reward of his suffering? You see, us giving up our lives for him is the reward of his suffering. Those slaves on that island coming to know Jesus is the reward of his suffering. This is our privilege to be able to see his needs list and immediately raise our hands. Say, Lord, Lord, don't, don't bypass me. I still remember the Cambridge Seven, those recruited by Hudson Taylor to come to China. And they all were sitting around after they'd first arrived. And Hudson Taylor walks into the room and says, guys, I have a job here in China. But those that go, I need two of you, may not come back alive. And all seven of them immediately raised their hand. And I've always thought, would I immediately raise my hand or would I wait for someone else to raise their hand and then I'd act like I was raising my hand going, oh yeah, yeah, but they raised their hand first. You see, I want to give off the air of being ready, but I, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you know, if I impress you or I impress someone else. All that really matters is the real reality of my soul. Lord, am I ready to live this or am I just a bunch of talk? I want to be the real deal. And I have a hunch that there's a whole bunch of you out there that feel the same way. You don't want to be the fraud Christian. You don't want to be the counterfeit. You don't want to be the tear that looks so similar to the wheat, but when it all comes down to it, you produce no fruit. In the time of testing, you were without oil. I don't want to be that any more than you do. So let's allow the Spirit of God to touch us in this exact place. No more chocolate soldiers. So I'm going to call it the grace gap because this is really what we're dealing with. And my summary for that is the difference between human ability and God's high calling. So what I'm giving you is a high calling. And I, I wouldn't blame you if you're feeling a little hot under the collar, maybe a little sweaty as I go through this because you're like, oh, why did I choose this podcast to listen to? However, I want you to understand the grace gap. The grace gap is the distance or the span between what you are capable of in your, human, hum, your humanity and what God has called you to. And it's a gap. And actually, your secret as a Christian is to recognize that there's a gap. See, some of us actually try and act like there isn't a gap. It's like, I can do that. Oh, I'll do that for Jesus. That's what Peter was saying. I'll die for you. But there was a grace gap, and he needed to recognize that. He wasn't fit to follow Jesus. He needed something. It's called the Holy Spirit. He needed grace. So for all of us, it's okay to acknowledge that we are rather feeble, that we are rather cowardly, that left to ourselves, we would think about ourselves. But if we are not left to ourselves, what if we give ourselves to Jesus and say, Lord, I recognize that there's a gap here, but would you fill it? You see, that's what he does. He ever lives to make intercession. You know what intercession is? Filling the gap. That's what he does. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He will save us to the uttermost. Whatever that missing piece is between where we're at in our humanity and where we need to be to follow him, he will give it. And that is our confidence. It doesn't rest on my ability. It rests on his. You see, my job is to simply believe and trust. Lord, I want to be a sheep. I want to be wheat. I want to be an ant. I want to be a, a virgin with my oil, with my lamp filled with oil. Lord Jesus, please work that in me.
I call this grabbing a hold of the banister. That's been my sort of historic term for it because that's how I learned it. I'm going to go back in time in my life to this key juncture where I was learning how to get the truth of the scripture into my practical life. Because many of us know the, the scripture, but we don't know how to live it. And I was in the middle of the night in an upstairs of a house, and there was a temptation. I don't even know what the temptation was, and I'm really glad about that. Otherwise, I'd probably have to tell you. But it was some kind of temptation in the middle of the night. And I remember up to that point in my life, I was so frustrated because I would make a resolution for God. I'd say, God, I want to live this way for you. Sort of like Peter, I'll die with you tonight. And yet I would continue to flounder and fail in my commitment. And I needed to recognize that there was this grace gap there. And this one night, I remember I was headed down the hall towards this downstairs, you know, darkness lurking in the lower regions of the house. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I did, but I, but I don't want to go. I actually want to succeed. I want to live for Jesus. Lord, I'm tired of failing and faltering. I, I want a new pattern in my life. And I remember I grabbed the banister. And I said, Lord, I believe you have something for me. I, I believe that you don't just call me to live a certain way and then leave it up to me to do it. I believe that you have given me something. I just don't know what it is. and I don't know how to use it and I don't know how to get it. But Lord, I'm going to grab this banister and I'm not going to let go until I find out, until I get it. There's a little Jacob in the dark of the night grabbing uh, the Lord and wrestling. And it was like that. And I don't know how long it was, half hour, hour, but I went back to bed. I discovered something that night, and I'm going to call it grace. I found that God will give me what I need to meet that demand of my soul, to raise up the behavior of my life, not in my own strength, but in his. If I will grab a hold of him and say, God, I don't have it, but I believe you do have it. So grit, how about a definition of grit? Courage, bravery, pluck, metal backbone, spirit, strength of character, strength of will, moral fiber, steel, nerve, fortitude, toughness, hardiness, resolve, resolution, determination, tenacity, perseverance, endurance. I don't know many Christians that wouldn't uh, give their eye tooth to have that list in their soul spiritually. That's what we are missing. That's why we tend to be chocolate soldiers. But this is what the Spirit of God brings into our life. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of a good courage. If you heard my second message in this series, uh, you heard me talk about the ancient war cry. There it is. Be strong and of a good courage. The, uh, the historic way of saying it amongst the Israelites is rakasak. However, in the Greek, the term is andridzomai. Basically means be a man. So what does being a man look like? being strong and of good courage. And yet I could tell you, be strong and of good courage. And yet in your natural man, you're like, I want to, but that behavior is just higher than me. It's called the grace gap. And I know someone who would love to make up the difference in your life and help you go from just mere human ability into God performance to be able to showcase the behavior of heaven in and through your human body. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ via his Holy Spirit. If you will give your life to him, he will work in you and through you to do impossible things. So let me start at the beginning of this scripture again. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he it is that does go with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. And I could say that to you as a New Testament believer. 
He it is that does go with you. He it is that does do the working within you. He it is that does the loving through you. He it is that does the boldness and the daring in and through you. If you will allow him to go before you, just like the Israelites allowed Joshua to lead them. And of course, the spirit of the Lord to lead Joshua. So remember Rakasak, remember Andridzomai. This is the ancient grit. It was passed from Moses to Joshua. Then from Joshua to David. David, as a king, is going to pass the same historic war cry onto Solomon, his son. He's going to say the same thing. Be strong and of good courage. He's going to say, Chazak and Amatz, which is the makeup in the Hebrew language of this idea of be a man. Be strong and of good courage. But then David is going to pass that all along to Jesus. Of course, you could say, well, Jesus is God. Didn't he pass it on to Moses in the first place? And you'd be right. However, you're going to see this tradition pass on. You're going to see this same message pass into the Greek language. And you're going to see Paul pass it on to us. The church, church at Corinth, is going to actually say these words. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. And ridzomai, instead of quit you like men. Be manful. Be full of all that is required of you as a man. And that is a remarkable statement said to us that we are to be manful. We are to be strong. How? Well, the secret of being strong is being strong in the Lord. That has always been the way that Christianity works. It does not work if you're strong in your own resolve, your own determination, your own grit. You must be strong in his grit, his determination, his resolve, his promise, his ability. We're going to finish with this, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Pray God send a few men with what the Americans call grit in them. Men who, when they know a thing to be right, will not turn away or aside or stop. Men who will persevere all the more because there are difficulties to meet or foes to encounter, who stand all the more true to their master because they are opposed, who the more they are thrust into the fire, the hotter they become, who, just like the bow, the further the string is drawn, the more powerfully it sends forth its arrows. And so the more they are trodden upon, the more mighty they will become in the cause of truth against error. Whew, what a quote. So we started with the statement of chocolate soldiers. I want to finish with the statement of godly soldiers. They grow stronger when the heat turns up. Chocolate soldiers melt when the heat turns up. Godly soldiers grow stronger when the heat turns up. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.